0: Is Joshua Hatton with One Nation Under Whiskey podcast? I am rejoined. I'm rejoined. <laughs> as, always. <laughs> as always. As always. <laughs> well, I can't say as always because last episode of One Nation Under Whiskey, which is our podcast, I welcomed the one and only Jessica Rabbit Lomas. Oh, to the, uh, oh, oh.
1: To the pad cost
0: And we talked about (laughs) There was our Thad Vogler episode Which was
1: It was indeed
0: I've got to tell you Jason So really quickly before we jump into everything Because there's like you went away You were in the wilderness You were saving the world Literally
1: Literally wilderness Uh,
0: I was I don't know what I was doing But anyway Pining Pining I thought you were Pining Oh right, a forestry
1: joke to begin today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: I think I figured I'd just throw big wood right at you um,
1: for the first time.
0: So you know, so Jess and I got together to do the Thad Vogler episode, and and mm-hmm. your interview with Thad was just God. I can't believe I'm complimenting you like like a minute and a half into this, but it was <laughs> remarkable and. In part because that is a wonderful human being, isn't he? But the uh, the rapport that you two had, and it was just so clear how invested in the book you were, just shown through so so wonderfully. And and I felt like shit because I was only maybe a quarter way into the book, <laughs> as per usual, right? Like I'm a slower reader than you are. Um, you read a book. I like your per hour.
1: usual. I'm impressed. It's a quarter. <laughs> go easy, and uh, quarter of the way through the title. <laughs> so far, I've got by the by the. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting to see what the by the is. What are they by? <laughs>
0: well, because then you got to go to the next line, and that's that becomes problematic. Um, and and Jess was about halfway through the book. And, uh, and, and so I vowed to myself. I said, Joshua, get, get this book through Audible. Get it on audiobook.
1: Ah, And so yeah, okay. I did. And, Good and- on you. Who, who narrates it? I always ask you that question. You're always saying to me, I listened to such and such a book on Audible. And I always say to you, Joshua, who narrated it? And you always say, give me a second. And then you pull up your phone and you start <laughs> looking up your Audible account. <laughs> And then we go quiet for a few seconds. And then you tell me, Jason, that was narrated by... Alexander Sendesi.
0: C-E-N-D-E-S-E. Who, who's really quite excellent. So, well, he's excellent and he isn't.
1: How is his Mark Watt accent?
0: We haven't gotten that far yet. We have not gotten... That. So right now... <laughs> Right now we are in Gascony. We are we're still in France. So I'm 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 about I'm really huh, I'm as far into the audiobook now as basically I was into the book itself. But it's so nice hearing the inflection and hearing French words being spoken properly, you know, mm. when I try to, like, absolutely massacre them.
1: Wait till he gets to Scotland. Who knows what the narration will sound like then.
0: But there's certain words, like, for instance, the the book opens up with a with that poem that includes the work by, by the smoke and the smell and the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in that poem, poem, or as you would say, poem. Poem? Um, The word poutine is supposed to be in there. And I think the narrator says (laughs) Poitin. So it's like there's certain instances where it's obvious that's, you know, he doesn't know the word and that's cool. But then when he gets into the French, he's like on top of his game. And (laughs) I, I really love the way in which Thad not only describes situations, but but des- describes people. He really paints yeah, a picture in, exactly. in a remarkable way, and doesn't hold back. When I think sometimes, ooh, does that person want to be described in the way in which that person's being described? But
1: but and, but as I covered with him in the interview as well, is you know he describes himself in ways where, as a reader, I would take pause and say whoa, do you want to be saying that about yourself right now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like, tamp it down a little bit. And he he still remains fully committed to describing his own foibles and his own tantrums. It's Mm -hmm. Yeah, as I covered with him in the interview, like, it's so honest. And knowing some of the people he's writing about and how true he was to the people I know that he's writing about, it gave me confidence in the people I don't know who he's writing about Uh, like yeah yeah, I bet that's pretty spot on there you know given what I know from from these others so yeah it's uh, well worth your time well worth listeners times Uh, I sincerely thank Jess for for sitting in the, the hot seat across from you and uh, and getting out a holiday edition of the podcast and I'm very pleased that I could still be present in that episode uh, while fanboying over Thad Vogler who is just <laughs> a delight an absolute gem and yeah he, he and I have been having some some fun together he also I All I, I right. sent him separately um as a thank you for his time I sent him a bottle of our French brandy ah. our our 1989 French All brandy right. he was he was very appreciative of and I, and I said to him look you know this category inside out and back to front joshua and I make no uh, claims to be cognac or armagnac experts yeah. mm-hmm. we just liked the flavor profile and the scotch drinkers we we thought it really resonated and he was he was very complimentary he had opened it he had shared it with friends and with staff at bar agricole oh, wow. and nice. uh, and said it was one of the more Interesting things that had come across uh, their door frame, and, uh, and many a month, okay. and and then then he apologized in case that was damning with faint praise. Yeah, I was just going to ask how he's using the word interesting. <laughs> yeah, and he he said to be to be very clear, I loved it. I really ah, really good, loved good. it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's it's telling a different story than the products he's in pursuit of or the products he's releasing which is why we've always said you know there's plenty of room in this releasing marketplace mm-hmm. we've all mm-hmm. got different palettes we've all got different interests uh, there's many many different things we're putting out into the world so so yeah I, and I, I told him I wasn't worried about you know, the damning with faint praise the fact he said it was interesting. Gosh, if you and I are known for nothing else than putting out interesting single casts,
0: I think that's a success. (laughs) That is an okay thing. And for for our listeners, I think we've got a few bottles remaining uh, on our website.
1: We do uh, indeed. It's it's actually not that many, but yeah, yeah, we we definitely have bottles on the website, which was the goal. We have succeeded, but yeah, please go buy them. Yeah,
0: there you go. so, So Jason, this... This trip you took out to the Selway Bitter Route, which is in Utah?
1: <laughs> I think you will find, good sir, that Idaho.
0: Ah, yeah, like I said, Utah. <laughs> and
1: uh, <laughs> honestly, I thought you were doing a portmanteau with like Utah and somewhere else. And I was trying to work <laughs> out which states were in the portmanteau. No, but I was calling
0: right. you a bit too sexy for your own good. Hee Um but this is now this this this,
1: <laughs> this is now this a bit, I'm trying to work out what a bit too sexy for your own good means, but anyway, carry on, carry on. I don't know, I'll let you fill
0: in the blanks. It could be it could mean whatever you want it to mean. It's like Smurfy. Um Did you have Smurfs growing up? Second year. Oh very much so, yeah. yeah good, I think good. the
1: Smurfs are, are European.
0: I'm a Pian? <laughs> oh my god. Please continue. (laughs) (laughs) So this is now your second year where you're at the Frank Church, Selway Bitterroot, clearing trails, being in the wilderness, not having a single bit of mechanics, electronics, whatever. But this time around, you brought your son With you to to help along, could you? you, (laughs) I'd love to hear from a father's perspective how all of that went, but just in general, I mean, I know you loved the last trip. Like, how did this one go?
1: Yeah, it was it was another excellent one. Uh, Just just to be clear, so the Frank Church Wilderness exists within the Selway-Bitterroot. Ah. And so we were actually working on um, a trail called Sulphur Creek. Mm -hmm. And uh, Sulphur Creek was right beside us. Very, very good news is I'm not entirely sure how Sulphur Creek got its name. Uh, it is a delightful creek that has beautiful clear water running in it that does not smell like sulphur in the slightest. So uh, all good news there. Uh, yeah, this was actually the first time the group had had returned to the to the same spot. And so we actually continued clearing from where we had stopped last year. Yeah. Uh, we moved our base camp up two miles to just before, maybe a quarter mile before where we stopped last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, at a tangle of brush and fallen trees that you couldn't even see the trail. It was an absolute nightmare underneath. <laughs> And and I've spent a year thinking about getting back there and untangling it, and that was that was first day back this wow. year was, was untangling it, okay. and it it was a shit show, it really was. Uh, we ended up clearing two two and a half more miles of trail. Um, last year we had cleared five hundred and fifty trees. This year, uh, by estimates, we cleared eight hundred. Um, we were we were sometimes a larger group than we were last year. Last okay. year we were ten uh, at our max. This year we I think had thirteen or fourteen on one day. Uh, that was that was even you know more intense than last year. How, uh, you're, you're you're posing a question, yes. So you say you cleared eight hundred trees. Like how
0: big are these trees? How many how many rings are we talking about? You, so it
1: depends. So some of them are are 20 years old and actually growing out of the trail and oh, okay. need to be cut uh, uh-huh. and removed and, okay. and, and cutting it, you know, a 20-year-old... Um, I'm, I'm currently uh, blanking on the name that Uncle Carl taught me while I was on the trail with him. Lodgepole pine. Uh, clearing a lodgepole pine at, at 10 years, 15 years, 20 years mm-hmm. takes... Ten seconds. It uh, it is incredibly soft bark. Uh, you can you can do it with a single handheld saw uh, yeah, and get okay. it get it removed from the trail. So 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 you can rack up a fair number of trees. When you're, when you're clearing them in 10, 15 seconds. The oldest tree we cleared last year was 253 years old. Wow. Already fallen. That's not us cutting it down. It's <laughs> being cleared from the trail. You're not monsters. Because uh, it has yeah. fallen across. We are not <laughs> monsters. Thank you for, for saying that. Um, this year, we had a tree that, that to our best estimates, the the rings weren't entirely clear in the center. It looked like there was some kind of rot in place. Uh, but this this tree was three hundred plus years old, and wow. and again it had come down you know as as many as twenty years ago, um, in mm. in what we assume was the last forest fire to go through there. Ah, so okay. um, and and then so that we actually cleared that tree in forty minutes and so wow. uh, kai and i so it's so kai you know my 16 year old son uh, who was out for the first time he and i had taken the first cut on it mm-hmm. so you go you know a couple of feet sometimes 3 feet to the left of the trail and then you know you're going to go another 2 or 3 feet mm-hmm. to the right of the trail and you're going to do a second cut over there uh, okay. and you're going to clear this rather large tree out the way and um, yeah lying flat on the ground it probably came up to my hip
0: wow that that's massive so you get, wow okay Okay,
1: there you go. Right? Yeah. Right. And so that's where we're using the crosscut, mm-hmm. which is a, you know, depending on the crosscut you have, is an approximately six foot or two meter uh, saw. Uh, one person on one side, one person on the other. And you just saw back and forth and back <laughs> and forth and back so and, these and forth. So
0: the, these are the saws that people, when they go to their. Their nearest antique shop and they find the old timey saws from eighteen whatever. That's what you're using. <laughs> <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah, so the last I found this out on this trip, the last cross cut made in America was made in the 1950s.
0: Oh really? Oh wow. Yep. So yep. so you're working? You're so you're actually working with vintage equipment as well.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Holy that's, cow. Tons of fun, tons of fun. And so Kai, um, again, the 16-year-old, my 16-year-old, who you were asking about, um, is already very much into tools and sharpening tools and Mm -hmm. does a lot of Mm -hmm. local sharpening of knives Mm -hmm. and garden tools and and things like that. And he actually purchased a new, quote-unquote, puck to take into the wilderness so that he could hand sharpen axes and and some of our other blades that we had out there. Mm -hmm. Um, he was not allowed to touch the crosscuts. You have to be certified to sharpen a crosscut, which is the six-foot two-person saw. So he wasn't allowed near those. Yeah. But he has every intention of getting certified, so that uh, he'll be one of a handful of people in the United States yeah. certified to sharpen a crosscut.
0: Because the the teeth on a, a crosscut. They're almost each point had well. I'm, I imagine they kind of differ, but the ones that I saw, if memory serves, each tooth had three teeth on it.
1: In a sense, yeah. yeah. They're yes. They're it's not like the saw you use in your garage uh, to cut a piece of wood, right? Yeah. It's each each saw tooth is doing a different job. Yeah, yeah. are yeah. different lengths and they face different directions. Yeah, it's. Yeah. It's the real deal, you gotta be careful with them. We're actually not allowed to handle them without gloves on, and we only ever handle them with gloves on. And helmets. We wear helmets too, all the time. Never miss a helmet. Uh, moving on Kai mm. had a blast yeah, he good. was he was setting fires the weather wasn't great with a lot of afternoon thunderstorms uh, we would get some decent mornings we, we would get some good work done and then we were seeing thunder and lightning uh, not every day but a host of the days that we had uh, one of the days I had to hike gosh two miles back from the work site back to camp and it was just beautiful Bucketing down Ugh. Absolute bucketing And I was I was soaked I had rain gear on I fell three times uh, I'm not <laughs> laughing with you Jason I'm just laughing, no, I'm laughing at just, you Just yeah. Just happens You know mm-hmm. You're on a trail It's got fresh cuts on it You're trying to clumber Clamber Clamber Climber Clomber uh, <laughs> Podcast uh, <laughs> Over Over wet stones yeah. And uh, you lose your footing And down you go So Um mm. Yeah, on on one of the days, actually, on a dry day, I was walking back and uh, I was a little little bit tired, and I was not too far from from base camp, and I was trying to adjust one of the straps because we would wear our our rucksacks, so you put tools in your rucksack, sure, and uh, and I was adjusting my rucksack, and at that uh, a former piece of wood, maybe maybe twelve inches, twenty inches long, kicked up, and blocked the foot that was on the footfall it caught my toe oh, and i couldn't put my foot down to complete my step <laughs> and and my hands were were attached to my oh, straps no. that i was trying to fix yeah. and i went down like a sack of potatoes uh, on my right side landed on my right shoulder Timber. and i i don't know if i if i broke a rib or i've bruised a rib but i haven't been able to cough or sneeze <laughs> fully since and so that was uh, a little bit of pain.
0: So you still feel it pretty hard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's that's going to be four <laughs> to six weeks of your life. That's sir. what
1: I told myself. That's exactly <laughs> what I told myself. <laughs>
0: um, so listen, fine, final question for you before yeah. we move on to to really, you know, why we're here to, to introduce listeners to, to our good friend Bikram Singh to talk about yeah. independent bottlings and talk about D T C and and maybe you have more to share as well. But but I had a very specific question for you. Again, as a father, how did Kai feel about not having a phone? Like was was there like a
1: detox period? Yeah. He, he loved every second of Did it. Did he? And, and this, is, this is a kid who, when he is home, asks for his phone yeah. and wants more things on his phone yeah. than we are comfortable allowing him. He, he didn't even think about his phone. Oh, he wow. was too busy chopping firewood, digging latrines, putting up tents, sharpening wow. axes, That's setting great. fires in the rain. Um, yeah, he, he also, you know, again... To bring up Uncle Carl's name, he was trying to set, and this this might not make sense to to a lot of people, but he was trying to set an East Coast fire in the Pacific Northwest. And Uncle Carl, who who's from PA, who's from Pennsylvania, mm. and has lived in the Pacific Northwest now for gosh two decades, maybe three decades, took Kai aside and was like, "Hey, dude." I know you're building an East Coast fire. I know what your East Coast fires look like. Huh. You need to be building a Pacific Northwest fire. And here's what you need to be using. And here's how you need yeah. to set it up. And here's how you need to, you know, catch a light to it. And, you know, throw in the rain and you're just adding layer upon yeah, layer. Sure. But yeah. you you could tell in that moment, Kai was kind of like, okay, I'm here to learn. Okay, <laughs> yeah, That's um, awesome. And, and now he's got, you know, setting a little East Coast fire under his belt. He's got setting a Pacific Northwest fire under his belt. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens when he goes to the Southwest, <laughs> where the goal is to not catch things on fire. So, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see what that looks like. Um, I, I do want to say one more thing, as you say, before we throw it over to Good. Bikram here and your interview with Bikram. But um the work that we do this is with uh, this is we are called the whiskey in the woods group mm. uh, but we do this work with the Selway Bitterroot Frank Church Foundation mm. and and one of the things that that they're always in need of as a, as a foundation looking after wilderness is charitable contributions. And, mm-hmm. and you and I, as, as a company, put out a, a collaborative bottling mm-hmm. where we had raised $4,000 for a SBFC that was very well received and very well spent. And, and on one of the days we actually had the new leader of SBFC out with us okay. and he and I were, were starting to to brainstorm some ways to to raise cash for the foundation and and Moscow Jim who is uh, president of the board over there um, has has you know he and I have been chitty chatting as I like <laughs> to say uh, about ways to do it as well one of one of the ideas uh, that were that were still floating is um, you know c- could we take a group of SCN folk out into the wilderness and and put in some Ooh. some time out there, and and do some whiskey in the woods out there? I know we've got members who who listen to me talking about it, um, who have asked me follow up questions about being out there, and I I wonder if there's a potential for a single cast nation group that. That you and I could be out there pouring whiskey for people Mm. and and putting in some work during the day. So. So, if, if anybody is listening to this and is interested in that idea, uh, drop a note to us info at singlecastnation.com. Uh, you could also use questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No E in, in any of that. There is an E in questions, there's no E in whiskey. But, but if that is of interest, uh, we would be selling tickets to that. Uh, and then Josh and I would be putting our heads together to come up with some fancy pores that maybe don't exist in a, in a greater world. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think there would be enthusiasm there. I know the success we've had with Giving Tuesday yeah. and I know the generosity of spirit that, that exists amongst our members. So that'd be kind of fun. I also wouldn't take it off the table for anybody who wants to join us internationally as well. Uh, if you want to fly into the Pacific Northwest, SeaTac is right there. Uh, if you listen to the podcast and you want to come join us, we could sell tickets there as well. So there you go. It's all possible, Joshua. Oh, Hell, I've I, I even get an idea to take recording equipment and uh, and do a little bit of uh, daily recording. Get people on wax about what they've thought about their day in the in the wilderness. But we can't do that, can we? In the wilderness? Yeah, we're not allowed. Yeah, we're not allowed to like roam around on ATVs and what have you. But yeah, some people solar power their phones so they can take photos. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Right, but they're not making phone calls. Uh, because gotcha. There's no signal, oh. <laughs> which is which is magnificent. But yeah, yeah, people people do like to solar power their their equipment, which oh, okay.
0: Oh, there you go. Oh man, this this. I'm I'm loving the idea of this. So cool.
1: Right. Yep. Right. There's some fun to be had there, and yeah. then obviously, uh, you know, we we've done it plenty, but another uh, collaborative bottling uh, would make sense as well. So. Only
0: makes good sense. Yeah.
1: Right. So. So. Yeah. So SBFC Selway Bitter Frank Church Foundation uh, means a lot to me. Means a lot to my friends. uh, Means a lot to my kids. So (laughs) it's uh, it's very cool. Also, our trail leader has posted their uh, take on our week in the woods, and uh, we can make the link to that available on the the Facebook page or wherever wherever people find information. Is Twitter still a thing, Joshua? I've been I've been gone for a while.
0: Yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I think it's still a thing, uh, but threads <laughs> is now starting threads to, is to come up. So
1: there you know, go. it's like
0: w- when one cesspool starts to rot, why not open up <laughs> another one? That's that's what I always say.
1: <laughs> um, it the, is interesting. It, it is interesting, actually. Final final word just on yeah, social ahead. media. Uh, uh, Charlie Wartzel in the Atlantic. Uh, writes about social media no longer is born or dies it's just reborn zombie-like and, uh, and Threads <laughs> is simply zombie Twitter Totally um, is <laughs> uh,
0: Fucking zombie Twitter right, you've just made Twitter worse like Twitter's already <laughs> a nightmare you add zombies in Oof, it's like Pride, <laughs> Prejudice, Twitter, and zombies. Um, so there the, you go. Now that's a catchy title. That is a catchy title. So I want I want to bring us to our conversation with Bikram because you know you and I, Jason, some seven and a half years ago, had a company meeting and said, "Why don't we start this podcast where we're focusing on?" independent bottlings and independent bottlers and people that support you know this thing that you know is our business and yeah. uh, and and I would say that we did a fair amount of that kind of early on and and then and then we just started peppering it in because the fact of the matter is the whiskey conversation is 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 so big and there's so many areas of interest and people to talk to, and whether it's a writer or a producer or a blender, what have you. Anyway, talking with Bikram brings us back to those roots, right? Back to the Indeed. idea of, of independent bottlers. But but this was a two-parter, right? We had mentioned in our episode with Holly Sidewand and Anthony Levinson that it would be really good to have Bikram in...
1: Exactly.
0: Because he just seemed to be the missing link when it came to talking about DTC and 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 how one focuses their store and, and how susceptible one's store is, depending on what DTC direct-to-consumer could look like for them as we look toward the future. So anyway... I love Bikram, and I loved this conversation. Uh, I will let people know he uh, he was gardening earlier that day, and 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 so he had a lot of, you know, he, some of the mold, some of the some of the like mold from the leaves was affecting his throat, and so he he had a couple times where there you may hear a cough here and there, but uh, uh, it wasn't COVID. Nothing good whiskey one not fix. Oh yes, speaking of which. And this is one of the things, you know, this is one of the things that I love about people like Bikram, which is people like us. You have a conversation and then something comes up and you're like, oh, okay, hold on. You got to taste this. And so mm-hmm. we started discussing single malt whiskey from a country that I didn't think made single malt whiskey. And he poured it for me. And we got to talk about that a little bit. Like there's some, nice. some bits and bobs here. So... um yeah, I think we was just handed off to, to me and Bikram. Firstly, Bikram Singh, I, I want to toast to you. Um, our listeners don't see this bottle. Yeah. But um, what I brought for us to enjoy while we're having this conversation is a bottle of... Exclusive Malts 1985 Longmorn. And I mentioned to you before when we first started the podcast, David Stirk was our, our first guest. Correct. And when I when I first started with Impex, um, it was Ed Cole who, who was with Impex at the time and who was taking me to your shop and he said he said, Now we're gonna get to this plaza. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be this shop, wonderful guy named Bikram. You're going to love him. From the outside, the shop looks like nothing special, but when <laughs> you walk in, you're going to be blown away. And I remember opening that door and just turning left and seeing this wall of independently bottled whiskeys. Correct. And I had never seen a store like that, at least here in the US. Mm-hmm. And it was like like some people make a pilgrimage to Mecca. Some people go to Jerusalem. <laughs> like if you are a fan of independently bottled spirits, this was, this was the place to go, your shop. And it continues to be the place to go to this day. But I brought this bottle because if my memory serves, and sometimes it serves and sometimes it doesn't, <laughs> but if my memory serves, I think that this was the first bottle that I bought from you. Oh. which was the exclusive malt, 1985. It was bottled in 2013. Right. I started with the company in 2015. I see. Right. And I will have purchased it either based on your suggestion or Ed's suggestion. But I know I have a habit, and this this is, this is my dirty habit. This is every dirty salesman, salesperson's habit: is if you want to make good friends, you yeah. buy some of their whiskey. <laughs> you got to support the people who support you. So that's I, a good habit. Keep, right, keep it up. It's a good. I've spent
2: a good amount of money with you. Um, well, you have still have this whiskey, so which is, which is an amazing whiskey. <laughs> I think, if I remember correctly, um, this whiskey either came out in twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen. It was bottled in 2013, but I think it came. It was bottled towards the end and came in in 2014. Probably late uh, 2014. Could be, yeah. And yeah. through the distribution networks, probably got to the shelves, maybe in December of 2014. Yep, Possibly. Yeah, it could be. Um, I think in the spring of 2015, it was among the top 10 whiskeys of Whiskey Advocate also, I believe.
0: And I started in March of 2015. So okay. here we are. We're doing some... Some investigative work here. I think,
2: uh, yeah, yeah, it was highly, highly rated. And obviously the whiskey is absolutely phenomenal. 28 years old. Yeah. Cast strength. I think it's ex-bourbon, I believe. It is. Yeah, it's an ex-bourbon hoggy. Um, He
0: never... I love David Stirk, But actually, (laughs) sometimes he doesn't list it out. So actually, this just says, aged 28 years in oak casks. But it's a single cask because it gives the <laughs> cask number. So, so the, the label is a bit confusing. But if I remember correctly, uh, David had said this was 28 years and second filled bourbon. Okay. Yeah.
2: But what a great thing to highlight that fruity longhorn Am- spirit. Amazing, yeah. I mean, that's probably the first, actually the second long one I had. Uh, yeah. Amazing. Amazing spirit. So, so this was your second. What was your first? Do you remember your first? No, I don't. I I don't know exactly what it was, but I think it was a Douglas Lang, Okay. Uh, or Douglas of uh, Drumling, okay. uh, as it was called back in the day. Uh, I don't oh, know the exact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that's uh, that was my introduction to independent bottlings, actually, so, bottlers. So wait, wait a second. So your introduction
0: to whiskey was through independent bottlers, or your introduction to independent bottlers was this Douglas Drum?
2: drum? No, I mean. Um, being a Punjabi, I think I uh, tasted my first whiskey when I was five or six, maybe <laughs> seven. I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> then there was a, a big gap of about 25 years. Okay. So I started drinking or having beer um, when I was 31 or 32. So, um, But every time I'll smell whiskey, mm. it was, well, I'll think like I'm in the chemistry lab, you know. Okay. Yeah. Turpentine, gasoline, chloroform—you <laughs> know, DMG, you, you name it—all these uh, chemicals come up, and I had no idea what people drank whiskey. I really I didn't. <laughs> wow. Okay. So um, there's nothing pleasing to it. It all smelled too no. It medical, was actually, scientific. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was just you know, spirity and too aggressive okay. you know, on the nose. Yeah, yeah. Uh, didn't really like it. Uh, um, the smell of it. Um, and how it felt on the palate also, even with water. Mm. Um, Yeah, and then, you know, uh, I think I must have told you the story before, but uh, 2008 or 2009, um, in January, Mm -hmm. uh, somebody was launching a big brand across the world, and my (laughs) salesperson (laughs) from the distributor says, Vikram, It is, I know it is three degrees and, um, the wind chill is minus 20, but (laughs) we have this very important event in Boston and nobody's going there and we need to support this Ah. person who has come from Scotland. He is world famous. He named the name. I said, I have no idea who that is, (laughs) but he goes, no, no, it'll be a big favor. Please go, you know, and help us out, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, show some support, um, after uh, much hemming uh, uh, and hawing, I went there. It was a Tuesday. <laughs> um, and obviously, there were like this big hall mm. uh, in this restaurant, and they had about 15 or 20 people. And oh, wow. Okay. About 20 people, I would say. 10 or 12 were from the distributor. So yeah. basically, uh, there was not much love and a lot of empty you know, tables. But, you know, beautiful eight whiskeys are laid out. Mm-hmm. Uh, happened to be Glenmorangie. Mm. And... Um, the gentleman who comes in, his hair much like you at that time, <laughs> you know, disheveled, and he just came in and. He <laughs> Looks goes, like he
0: just woke up. <laughs> he,
2: yeah, you know, he just woke up, um, and um, you know, it, it was windy, you know, yeah. and he had a bottle of whiskey in his hand, and um, and you know, it seemed like he had just dipped in a in a uh, pond, putrid pond, because there was stuff floating in it, and oh. he said, "Would you like a?" Uh, I mean, I could not understand his English, but, you know, I kind of made that, would you like a sip? Uh, you know, I looked at him, I looked at the bottle, I said, no, yeah. thank you. Then he moved to a couple of other tables and people just said, no, no, see, you know, don't don't really want to taste it. And some, they welcomed him and wow. they, yeah. Uh, okay. And then ultimately, uh, and I was just looking at my watch, trying to kind of figure out when's a good time to make an exit. Mm-hmm. So they um, introduced him and, hey, welcome, Dr. Bill Lundson of Glen um, launching this whiskey, you know, so on and so forth. And I was like, okay, fine. I had no idea who that is, who that was at that time. Oh, okay. So you, you
0: weren't, you didn't even know that that was potentially the person that was doing the presentation. Correct. It, you just thought it was someone some, offering some, a some,
2: <laughs> Somebody who
0: has just walked from
2: the street <laughs> of Boston, maybe a bum. Uh, 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 that, that is how naive and how ignorant yeah, I was yeah, of the whiskey yeah. industry of whiskey at the time. So... We tasted, uh, I think, the 10-year-old uh, mm-hmm. flagship, uh, Glenn Morangy, uh, at the time. And they said, okay, you will get uh, notes of honey and this. I smelled it. It was still gasoline and turpentine. It didn't do anything <laughs> to me. I tasted I did yeah. not get any yeah. of the notes that uh, Mr. Lumsden was uh, talking about. And um, then ultimately he went to, okay, this is what we're launching worldwide. It was Signet, And he said, you know, I came around with this bottle, yeah, and I had left my, this bottle in my trunk of the car <laughs> overnight, yeah. and this whiskey is non-chill filtered, and because of that, the fats have come together, mm-hmm. and you see something floating in the bottle. And many of you did not try it because you didn't like the appearance of this whiskey, and that's mm-hmm. why many people chill filter their whiskey and take away the fats and oils. Mm. So when he said that, I was like, oh, there are fats and oils in whiskey? Okay, so from there, uh, then he said, you know, there's okay. a banana peel, that comes from isoamyl acetate, and that's a component that sometimes is lost. Um, so from that, I was hooked. I was like, uh. okay, it's not only ethanol, there's something else happening, and something yeah. else is giving this flavor, and that's why it smells slightly different. And from there, that's why we met. Otherwise, yeah. we would not have never met, so, possibly.
0: So you, because you came from biochemistry the world of bio,
2: uh, right more like chemical engineering chemical and environmental yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: and so so basically what he did is he took scientific terms that you knew and converted them to smells to yeah. scents and flavor
2: yeah he gave yeah. a name to chemical name to banana peel wow. isoamyl acetate okay. and here we are wow <laughs>
0: okay so so that's your introduction to whiskey and we're, we're talking 2008, 2009.
2: Yeah, it was probably January of 2009, but could have been January of 2008. I, I can't exactly pinpoint the date. So
0: you're talking about Glenmorangie, one of the most ubiquitous brands out there, you know, behind the, the Glenfittics and the Glenlivets Correct. of the world. Mm-hmm. Independent bottling is quite a stretch from the ubiquitous glens. Right. So let's talk, tell me about that. How, what was that discovery
2: for you? So, so after this, I, I really wanted to know more and more about um, the whiskeys. And, and when I reached out to some of these big brands, hmm. let's say Laphroaig or McAllen, they really, they had the data of how much whiskey somebody buys and they're not in really interested in really communicating with their small store. Uh, so it was difficult to really get somebody to come and kind of educate and things like that. And they was like, sure. hey, are you willing to take a 20K drop or you know whatever the lingo was at the time. Um, however, I met um, uh, Brad Jarvis. Uh, he oh, used yeah. to represent a um, few independent mm-hmm. um, bottlers. I think uh, Douglas or Drumling. Malt, old malt cast, old malt cast, yeah, sure. Um, malt maniacs, no, not malt maniacs. Malt, uh, malt man, malt man, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but nobody was talking to those people, uh, and but he had all these wonderful whiskies, and he huh. introduced me to Port Allen and. All these. <laughs> he did. Wow. Yeah, just, you know, here's a cheeky little Port Allen. Yeah, Ford Island, you know. and here's a 33-year-old <laughs> um, ex-Bourbon. Uh, but, you yeah. know, he really, uh, at that time, he and I think Randall Bird, um mm-hmm. he was associated with them um, somehow. Um, somebody you know well as well, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically opened the world of whiskey, of scotch, oh, okay. scotch whiskey, and talked about... Uh, not only these six or seven or ten brands that every, anyone knew mm. of single malts, but brands that nobody ever heard of—Longhorn, uh, Braywall, yeah—you know, yeah. um, things along those lines—and that's that's where I basically huh. s- started learning about whiskey. Is that is that part of
0: your personality? The going, find you know, going down this rabbit hole, you see something interesting, and you start pulling at the thread or following the breadcrumbs, because it's getting down into the world of independently bottled whiskey and to de- to devote a large portion of your store to it, to me, speaks of passion, speaks of something,
2: uh, a drive in you. So is that something you've always had? I think so. I, I mean, obviously there's some things that you know, we all have some certain passions, mm. uh, certain things that drive us. Uh, to me, uh, if I like something, then I really want to get into details, yeah. uh, into into the nitty-gritty of things. And independent bottlings was the best yeah. uh, format to do that. And it was, there was so much detail. You're talking about single barrels, so many variables mm-hmm. really narrowed down, and you can have two single barrels side by side. And it's just a wonderful word as opposed to just this mass market, even though they are single malls. Yeah. but. Um, it is really like a blend in a way because there's a single profile yes. coming out of yeah. that distillery. Yeah. Uh But anywhere in bottlings are not that they're completely. Um, yes, they are from a single distillery, mm. but they can be very very unique. They have mm-hmm. individual personalities, and uh, so it was pretty interesting to me, and that appealed to me. And yeah. Uh, so, so which came first then the the store.
0: <clears throat> with a staggering amount of independently bottled whiskeys or the customers to purchase them?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I have to back, uh, a little bit backtrack. Okay. Um, so when we had the store, uh, there was a place called Taunton. Uh, it's um, on 495 Belt and um, the store was located, I, I used to call it Bud Country because it was basically people drinking Budweiser, Home. Um, okay, I coffee you brandy, meant the other kind of bud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that was the profile. Very very basic. Yeah, uh, sure. you, you know, at the yeah. time, Fireball had not come out and we a force that it is. But coffee brandy was there, Rumpel Mills and things like that. And mm-hmm. that's what you know by and large people were drinking. Um, but I had discovered craft beers and you know. Uh, gotten into uh, Belgian beers, and we ended up having four or five hundred uh, beers or more at that time. Oh wow! Uh, brands and deep, deep, deep uh, selection of um, huh. all these and all the Belgian Trappist beers we could get. Yeah. So we're doing two or three beer tastings at the time. So we were exposing people to beers they had never tasted before. Wow! And um, when was this? Uh, you're talking about 2005, six, okay. seven. Okay. You know, oh. in that range. So, you yep. uh, know, but the the, um, the customer the before base before that kind of got big, right? That was that was the away. time it yeah. was getting yeah. getting. You know, okay. um, uh, craft beer in Massachusetts yeah. was getting big, and um, but uh, the clientele was not there. Yeah, there yeah. were a few, uh, but it was nothing like uh, what a city like Cambridge or mm-hmm. Somerville or Boston mm-hmm. would uh, have that up draw. Um, Taunton did not have it, but mm. That seemed to be really good beer, as opposed to these mass marketed beers. Yeah. You know, And um, but that seems to be seemed to be my passion. Okay. You know what? Okay. What I thought was really great product, and people just need to be exposed. And yeah. and the beer distributors were very good about you know providing samples. You know, um, uh, talking about the history of the breweries. Mm. You know why there's certain glassware is needed, and so on and so forth. You okay. know, so that is so. But I had already experienced something other than the mainstream yeah. in the beer side. yeah. So when I discovered independent bottlings, it was a natural progression. Again, the customer base was not there. I know we <laughs> did about 20 or 25 whiskey tastings before we sold a single bottle of whiskey. Wow. Yes.
0: Wow, that is really saying something. So, okay, so let's, can we stick there for a second to your memory? Of those people who joined your first twenty-five tastings, have a lot of them stuck around? Is that was at the start of Norfolk Whiskey Group, and like, did they did they grow in their love of whiskey along with you, or or has it fluctuated a bit?
2: It's definitely fluctuated, but four or five of the original are still around. Yeah, yeah. You know, one person has moved away. Uh, you know him, Steve Ventura.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, he moved sure. to.
2: Um, Uh, He used to live in Taunton at the time. Yeah, he moved down to, like, the Beacon or Newburgh. Newburgh. Newburgh, yeah. Yeah. And I I think uh, he was thinking of last time I saw him moving to California. I'm not sure he did made the move or not. But at any rate, so Steve Ventura uh, was a big, he was one of the first. Mm -hmm. Um, And not... Not among the first, maybe a year, year and a half into us doing whiskey tastings. Mm. Um, You also know Marco, Marco Acosta. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah. he was uh, part of the first. That's um, great. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that's so cool. So so, so some of the guys have stuck around, but then there were a few because we moved from Taunton to Norfolk. Uh, Some couldn't make the track, but then Tom, Leston, and Regan, uh, you know them as well. uh, and the so dogs. Yeah. dogs, yeah. And the dogs, yeah. <laughs> Brooklari and Kalila. And Kalila, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should take Brooklari's full name Brooklari Black Art. That's the full name of the dog.
0: Oh, is that true? That's correct. Oh, I didn't know the full yeah, name. That's true. <laughs> I'll have to call it by its full name next time
2: I see him. <laughs> yeah, so I know it was difficult, uh, but it was obvious to me that the product is top-notch, and yeah. it's just that the customer base is not there, Yeah, sure. as far as the appreciation, uh, because it's very difficult. Uh, I use this example, and sometimes my examples are not very, very well thought of. Like, McDonald's sells billions and billions of burgers. Yeah, um, And I'm sure many, many people think this is the best burger in the world, mm-hmm. but there are enough people out there that think that there's something better, can be had, sure. more well-made, handcrafted, and stuff like that. So... These independent bottlings represented that. And these big brands represented mm. sort of the McDonald's or Coke of the world. Uh, Coca-Cola classic. Yeah. You know. yeah, sure. Yeah, that makes good sense.
0: All right, so you have your first 25 tastings. You finally <laughs> <laughs> sell a Roughly 10 to
2: 12 tastings, maybe <laughs> 25, maybe. <laughs> it's fresh, 10 or 12. And, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah, we were not able to sell any initially. Wow. wow. So, but but now fast forward a bit, right?
0: And and your independently bottled whiskeys have grown. You you also. And I don't know if this started early on, but you've done your fair share of um, single barrel picks. Whether it's bourbon, or you've even done a single Cast Nation one. There's a eleven Correct. year old Kalila, which is a remarkable selection. Thank you again right. for that. Yeah. Um, so talk talk to me about that how how did you incorporate that into your business model
2: so yeah it just um, it just evolved into it i yeah. think more than us going after that it was just an opportunity was there and the one thing that was that was happening at that time was whiskey was getting it was not really that popular but it was mm. still so people who were in the industry, from a um, marketing and sales department side, uh, from distributors or brand investors, they were more focused on the big stores. And mm. um, I, I still remember we were trying to get a Flaming Heart, bottle of Compass Box Flaming oh, Heart yeah. 2012. Yeah. So we asked our distributor, could we have a case of that, six bottles? Uh, they said, no, you have not bought anything in the last X number of years. <laughs> You cannot get anything. Yeah. So we did not get this. We got oh, wow. zero bottles. So, uh, but on the other hand, um, Four Roses, um, they were looking for people to buy a single barrel, and again, Four Roses, a very very interesting bourbon um, company. They um, they have five different yeast strains. Again, appealing to my. <laughs> the chemical, <laughs> <laughs> chemical Geekiness if yeah, you will exactly, you know yeah. uh, They're going after those five different yeast strains uh, They have two different mash pills Or so ten different um, recipes um, And They're exploring things in a very different way Compared mm-hmm. to other um, bourbon mm-hmm. makers So that appealed to us and they were looking for people Who would be a good fit For their single barrel program yeah, sure. And so we, won, we were the one of the earlier ones To uh, latch on to that And we thought that That'll be a good fit for us. Mm-hmm. So we picked a single barrel of Four Roses back in the day. That was our first pick in 2014. There's a chance I may have a bottle of that. Oh, that was a good one. It was a sleeper. It took us four years for us to sell oh, that then bottle. Then I definitely
0: yeah. ha- then I definitely have it because I was I went on a rampage, Four Roses rampage for a while. Like you, I one of the things that I've. I wouldn't say struggled with, but one of the things that I tried to fight against was was getting too much bourbon. <coughs> Excuse me. Bourbon is amazing. But it, it has a smaller flavor profile box in, you know, that it sort of sits in compared to some other spirits that that will allow you to use different cast types or maturation in different countries and, and things like that. But I loved this idea that Four Roses had ten different recipes, Correct. and you can explore all these things. And the bottles were forty nine bucks, fifty nine mm-hmm. bucks each. And so I would just buy, buy, buy. There's a chance I haven't have it and have, open, have it and haven't opened it yet. So now
2: I gotta I gotta check that out. <laughs> Oh yeah, there are some people who'll be really happy if if you can part with that oh, bottle. Wow. Oh no no no. I'll I'll
0: open it and share it with them. That's what I'll do. Of course. Um see, you know the interesting thing about your shop as well is is it's not just all geeky. You've got plenty of geeky stuff. You've got crazy mescals. You do some really interesting rums. You started getting into Carcavelos. Oh yeah, for amazing! There, right, and in different fortified wines Correct. and Rancio, Rancio right, Rancio and, wines. And, and but at the same time, you've got a cooler of Natty Light, right, and you've and you've got the minis and and you've got the Slim Jims at at your front desk or or you know candy bars that I often leave with because I couldn't get <laughs> dinner, so I'm gonna have a, a Snickers, you know. Um, so you you sort of find yourself. Do you find yourself just putting on different hats depending on who, who that client is? Do you do you look to try to convert that that client who's buying sort of your your, run of the, your McDonald's hamburger into something a little more classy, like a Five Guys? You know what I mean?
2: Hmm. Um It's a very interesting question, Joshua. Um, I haven't really given much thought to sure. how we approach that, but th- you know. Earlier on, these beers were there. People were still walking away with Bud Light or Amstel yeah, Light or yeah. things like that. They were not tasting it. I was not tasting any whiskey until 2008 or 2009. Yeah. So Dr. Bill Lumsden got me into whiskey. Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we do constant tastings. Thanks mm-hmm. to you, we have done legendary tastings of independent bottling, single malt um, uh, scotches, um, and from single malts from Israel, so on mm-hmm, and so forth. Mm-hmm. But then everybody walking in is not in their frame of mind that I'm ready to, because it's sort of a commitment to yeah. learn about whiskey, you sure. know. Sherry Cass, Experman, yeah. Hogshead, you know. There's so much terminology, it can be very intimidating for somebody to get into whiskey. But we provide the opportunity. Uh, but if they want a fireball, it is there. Mm. It is not the most prominent thing. If they want Captain Morgan, they will have to ask us where it is, but it's there. Hmm. Uh, but they will have to uh, walk past so hundreds of other rums yeah. Yeah. and take a look at it. And maybe someday they will get curious and say, I want to try something different. And if they want to try it, we have bottles open, um, about 1,500 different whiskeys, rums, mezcals, tequilas, wow. and we'll share that with people. And if they like the taste, great. If not, then... No? So be yeah. it. Whenever yeah. they're ready, they're ready. Yeah. At least they know yeah. that something like this exists, yeah. um, and that's why initially um, there a lot of there was a lot of pressure on us to hey, you know, uh, what do you sell the most? Johnny Walker, Dewars, you know, Shivers, things mm-hmm. along those mm-hmm. lines. That should be as the customer comes in. That should be front and center. Uh, but we felt differently that this is where our heart lies, and yeah. they want. Um, any of those brands, they're here, and we are carrying them, Lafroy, Ardbeg, all those things, they, they exist, but you just have to walk to them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was, you know, my, my description
0: of your shop has always been, you're going to go in there, you're going to open the door, you're going to turn left, and you're going to see a massive wall of of independently bottled scotch whiskey. You look left again, there's going to be your your international whiskeys but then walk a little ways. You got to actually get into the store and maybe <laughs> look at a lower shelf and maybe you'll find the McAllen down there. And maybe you'll find the...
2: the 26-year-old the, um, Scottish oak shivers, which is fa- fabulous. Yeah. But it's there. It's on the bottom shelf. But yeah. it, the bottom shelf does not mean that it's there. It, does,
0: it, does it doesn't mean it's bad, but, but your job has seemed to, seemed to be to champion independently bottled spirits. Correct. Because people came to you who gave a shit about whiskey, you give a shit about the whiskey, and you wanna share that same love.
2: Right, I mean, very, very passionate people, like yeah. you, David Stark, Ed Cole, Sam. Sam yeah. Filmers. absolutely generous people, uh, with their time, uh, with their product, um, education, mm-hmm. getting back to you, very sincere, um, and the product is just phenomenal. It, yeah. it's, it's a story we want to tell. Yeah. Um, oftentimes, you know, You know, all these big brands have millions of dollars of marketing campaigns mm-hmm. and things like that. Independent bottlers don't have it, but the product is just fabulous. So we yeah. are one of those outposts where you can come in and, you know, exercise some, you know, uh, time and mm-hmm. you will be able to reward it uh, with these fabulous uh, whiskeys, not only from independent bottlings, but also from all over the world. Everybody is producing great whiskeys right now. Yeah. You know. Uh, recently, we had the whiskeys from Lebanon that came in. From Lebanon? Yeah, I didn't know there was whiskey from Lebanon. Oh yeah, Atir? Atir? <coughs> I don't know it. Uh, they are really fantastic. We, you must taste some
0: okay. today. Yeah. Okay. I will taste some then.
2: Really, really, really good. Okay. How do you describe it? So they have three different whiskeys. Okay. Three primarily different whiskies. Uh, one is a blend. I think it's wheat and malt blend. Mm-hmm. Um, the second one is a dark roasted malt. Yeah. So, but it is uh, much like Signet has a little bit of that. Uh. But this one is distillation. It's basically you know that sort of beer distilled. The aroma, uh, the palate. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. There's absolutely yeah. nothing else. It's gotcha. Really, really well done. Yeah. And then they have. Um, this really dark concentrated, um, whiskey, um, athir, uh, which, um, is Asian Lebanese oak. Hmm. Okay. Never. Fantastic. Okay. And also cedar, cedar oak. Cedar, cedar oak. Wood. Cedar, cedar wood. Cedar wood. Cedar yeah, wood, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Cedar. cedar. Oh, cedar wow. Wood. So there's gotta be a really resiny kind of quality yeah, to it. It oh, is. Wow. It is very different. Uh, they're also using amphoras to age whiskies. What's amphoras? Amphoras, those clay. Oh, yeah.
0: That's th- what, um, like um, uh, Georgian wines. They do that. They put the wine in yeah. the amphora and then
2: put it underground. Yes.
0: Ah, okay.
2: some uh, Rancio wines might yeah, do that yeah, as yeah. well. Okay. Um, and also, um, when they do the um, um, the malting, it is sun dried, sun malted, if you will. Oh. But, you know. Not by heat or steam or peat, wow. so so they're doing some really interesting things, and the flavor profile is fantastic, in my opinion. See, and and th- and this is, this
0: is what I'm talking about, right? Something different, something interesting, and y- and you're you're immediately an advocate for it assuming its quality stuff as well right moving right along fancy free. getting there is half the fun come here right along yeah so so we took a little break there uh, the keen the keen-eared among my listeners will have noticed the perfectly placed um, moving right along Song from Kermit the <laughs> Frog and Fozzie Bear. And and while we while we took a little pause, Bikram poured me some of the Athir Lebanese single malt whiskey, plus the single pot still, the molten wheat mash bill, and then the dark malt, which was like the craziest, almost coffee, liqueur, mocha-like whiskey. And now this is the uh, just their straight-up
2: single malt. Right. That that these in uh, this is hundred malt, hundred uh, yeah. percent malt, um, all Lebanese malt as yeah. well.
0: Yeah, and so what? What we were saying is, right, and the, and this is cool. Like I don't have my Impex hat on right now. I'm not here to sell you anything. Right, I'm here as someone discovering whiskey, and you know, the, in my darker moments, mm-hmm. I would just pass this up. Oh yeah. It like I said, in my darker moments. <laughs> you know, because sometimes mm-hmm. you're like, ah, there's so much going on, I don't have time for this mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. whatever. And and it's nice when you're kind of, you, you're shaken awake by someone saying, hold on, take a pause. This is worth exploring. And uh, it's nice to be shaken like that every now and again.
2: <laughs> yeah, the first... Um I think the whiskey to come out of Lebanon. Mm. I think they're done really well. Yeah, yeah, really, really nice. Um, so this
0: third one that that we're having is a standard single malt, and it's it, like we were saying when we took the pause, it 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 doesn't taste like a malt from any country we're familiar with. It's recognizable as malt whiskey, but. I'd never peg it as scotch. I'd never peg it as Japanese or Indian or Israeli or it just it's his it's
2: own Lebanese. Thing. Yeah, it's his own thing. Yeah, it's it's Lebanese whiskey, uh, really well made. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where the challenge is too, um, Joshua. Uh, there are many consumers uh, often very highly uh, attuned to the whiskey, really super knowledgeable, but their profile is pegged to a certain distillery yeah. or a certain style. Yeah. And sometimes they're very much like this person who drinks Fireball every day or mm, has mm-hmm. that thing because uh, they can only be, I don't know if it's loyalty or the palate has that profile that can only like certain things in the mind and the palate.
0: Sometimes it's brand driven, right? Like the Fireball logo mm-hmm. is kind of cool. And you see people... Wearing fireball shirts, they'll have fireball stickers on things. Like it becomes these, some of the larger brands, I think, do a really good job of getting people to be brand loyal, whether it's your McAllen of the world or if you're, or if you're fireball, they both have
2: a cool element. Mm -hmm. It's just what kind of cool are you into? Right. Yeah. I mean, McAllen, we can all agree, make some absolutely phenomenal whiskeys right, over the years. And a Young Macallan and ex-Bourbon independent bottling is really good. Mm-hmm. And even some official bottlings are excellent as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, uh, what I'm talking about is some people are their taste profile is e- either brand driven or age driven or yeah. I can only yeah. drink sherry cask and mm-hmm. I only drink scotch, things along those lines. Yeah. Uh, but these things come along and their taste profile is nothing like those, mm-hmm. so those folks are not able to appreciate that. I think, yeah, unless they lower their guard a little bit, yes, you know, right, and we, just say, okay, you know what, let's kind of expand our horizon, yeah, you know, um, yeah. Um, you know, talk about rums, for example, from Haiti, Clarence, mm-hmm. you know, amazingly um, funky, funky, crazy, yes, you know, um, mezcal's, for example, yeah. Almost very primitive, and you know, frankly speaking, many of the original whiskies probably tasted like that, mm-hmm. because when was this? Like 1880 or 1884, when Louis Pasteur discovered yeast was a thing that converted. Okay. Before that, yeah. any distillery that was made before that, any whiskey that was made was basically, you know. Uh, driven by bacteria or yeast which existed It was just around. natural yeah, yeah, yeah in that environment yep. so uh, the whiskeys probably tasted very very different to the whiskies we are tasting now from the same distillery because the yeast strains were yeah. absolutely different yeah and even in our you know last decade or so that we've known each other um 8 years actually <clears throat> you now when we started A lot of people said, you know, yeast strains don't matter. Many of the brand ambassadors come from Scotland. It doesn't matter. (laughs) But we know it matters. Uh, You can control it. You can modify it. You can manipulate it as to Mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. But it does matter. Uh, So similarly, you know, these are reflecting, I think, Lebanese provenance, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they're different. And so I think it takes a little bit open-mindedness to kind of uh, appreciate them, I, I believe.
0: Yeah, in in a similar way, it's it's just like people getting into to malt whiskey for the first time, and and uh, a, you know a peaty whiskey mm-hmm. is an can be an acquired taste, and you have to be coerced into even trying it. Right, right. Know, much like this, I, I wanted to to switch gears if we could really quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, we tried to do it before, but then we got sidetracked by okay. the Lebanese single malt, sure. uh, which was a very good sidetrack, by the way. That's good. Um, so, you know, we talked about Holly uh, Sidewan from, Sarato- uh, from First Phil Spirits out of Saratoga, and Anthony Levinson from, from Roma, and this idea of, of DCC, direct-to-consumer selling. And as I mentioned before, right, it's... You're this you're this very niche shop situated in a state where if you wanted to sell more liquor to those that maybe live outside of state lines, you simply couldn't because there are laws disallowing you to do so. So that's that's one idea behind what, or that's one definition of what direct to consumer could be right where right. where you could ship to anyone within the these united states then another idea of direct to consumer is where a producer would bypass the distributor and retailer and sell directly to the consumers, much like uh, a winery could, right? Yeah. If you, you you go to a winery, you could buy bottles there. You can go onto their website; they can ship to your door. And then and then there are certain ways of doing DTC where you have to incorporate a retailer. So, for instance, like in Washington D.C., you don't really need a distributor, but you do need a retailer to fulfill that that order, and then and then ship it out to the consumer. So my question for you is, well, I, I guess my initial question to you is do you do you feel um, stifled in your ability to sell what's what's already a difficult to sell product and you're now situated in a state or you haven't situated in a state that makes it difficult for you to expand sales beyond, you know, the people that can come to your
2: store? Well, that's, it's a big, big topic. There's there, there so many layers to this and so many perspectives. And um, from our perspective, from my perspective, it is difficult, obviously. Mm-hmm. It's pretty difficult to, um, when you have to cancel orders, people have place orders, oh, by the way, can, can I get a ship to California, to Wisconsin, uh, and yeah. so on and so forth. Just this morning, somebody from Canada, Quebec, bought a few bottles of uh, Old Forrester single barrel we had, mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> he couldn't pay because of a Canadian credit card, so he had his sister buy it for him, ah, okay. and she's gonna pick up, and um, next time he is here or she was Canada, they can bring it over. <clears throat> but uh, a lot of our uh, consumers as well, uh, they buy from UK shops, from yeah. Europe, and within two days, the product is shipped to their doorstep. Yep. Uh, whereas people from there, if they purchase, like to purchase from us, we can't ship it. You know, I'm not even talking about yeah. within the US. You know, even abroad. So it is basically uh, a difficult situation in that. Yeah. In uh, you know, especially when it comes to single barrels. So we had Amrut single barrel, single cask last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was worldwide interest in that. But we just simply couldn't fulfill the demand. Of course. So, you know, those sort of things do happen. I guess the question would be, do you want to see that change? Is
0: there comfort in knowing that people have to come to you? That,
2: that you know, you become that destination? Yeah, but at the same time, um, what happens is ultimately... When somebody does that, right, um, it is going to be very difficult for smaller entities to exist, I think, Mm. because then there could be just one company that could fulfill all the orders in the U.S., technically. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like an Amazon. One Amazon, that's it, distribution in in basically all across the U.S., worldwide distribution, one-hour delivery, and you have it. So... There, there, there are many ways to look at it. Mm. Um, what we provide is education, uh, tastings, in-depth um, yeah. product knowledge. So those, those are going to be like very localized. Yeah. Uh, so we do lo- lose business, but at the same time, the flip side could be pretty detrimental. Also, if it is yeah. widely accepted. Yeah, I mean, but that is just one perspective. But when yeah. you look from a different angle, it looks very different. There's so many. That's why it's a very complex issue.
0: Right, because you know my my gut would tell me that if if Amazon if Amazon were allowed to get into this business like they are in the UK currently, um, that their model, or at least Typically, what they would sell would be sort of to be the online version of of Total Mm Line, which is to get sort of, you know, easily everybody's 10, 12 year old spirit, you know, (coughs) Elijah Craig, you know, all of this sort of ubiquitous stuff Mm -hmm. because you're getting your cat food, you're getting your, you know, shovels, and hey, why don't I just, you know, throw some some wine on there, maybe a bottle of Jim Beam or whatever. Right. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't necessarily see them going after the really ridiculously esoteric stuff that, that you would specialize in. Like, do you, do you feel that there are some levels of protection or do you, would you feel that, and again, these are suppositions, right? Like nothing is in play, but there's a lot of people talking about the possibilities of DTC and some barriers have come down because of COVID and, and, and things like that, you know, do, do you feel somewhat protected given your focus or do you, or do you feel there there still could be a, a threat
2: There's to, definitely a to threat. players like yourself? There's definitely a threat because we, you know, like uh, unlike some stores who just specialize in special, um, items, if you will. Yeah. Specialties. Uh, so they, they are, they have complete fo- focus on those items too. They do not carry Budweiser. They don't have Fireball. They have what they have. Yeah, It is very difficult for mm. them, you know, and, uh, you know, because ultimately some of the larger producers are not going to be able to uh, be able to basically support them because an Amazon comes in, they are able to reach out to all the consumers yeah. across the board um, they will be reduced to only supporting smaller uh, okay. one off kind of yeah. things because uh, because oftentimes these companies have multiple interests and um, multiple, like say, distilleries or brands and mm-hmm. they would like them to carry all of them to be able to support them on the other uh, really esoteric things. Yeah. So yeah, no, I mean, those those, those things are very difficult to uh, deal with um, for them, a smaller. If we only focus, like, for example, even if we take Impacts mm-hmm. and we want only, let's say, um, one or two items, Yeah. but those are highly allocated. Yeah. And they're allocated to folks who support the entire... Line, yes. Right? Yeah. For us, our relationship is deep and it's long-standing, so it's okay. But if, if some random store comes in and asks you for that Springbank 27-year-old that you're still releasing or about <laughs> to release, and um, you would be hard-pressed to support yep. them, right? Yeah. So so in that case, somebody like us, let's say we're the Amazon of this independent Pairn and will have a little bit of a leg up, right?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, sure. does it make any sense, or um... no?
0: It 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 does make sense, and if if there's anyone that can figure out how to engage the consumer in these more esoteric things, it would be it would be Amazon. That's correct. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's going to be interesting um, seeing how things play out if if things play out in in the way that some expect.
2: Yeah, I, I I'm not sure. I you know how things will work out because this industry is going to go through a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, even within within that, I think we we were talking about this earlier. Even whiskey might be going through some you know major changes because those things tend to ebb and flow. Also, different yes. spirits have peaks and valleys. Yeah. Over time, there could be rum that comes in, or the rums get more popular, or agave spirits get more popular, mm-hmm. uh, things along those lines. Yeah. So let's see what happens.
0: Yeah, right. There's a reason why even in the even in 2015, you could find some shops that had wild turkey from the 80s and 90s sitting on the shelves. There, yeah, you know, it's just what was the reason? What do you think? Because no one wanted to drink dad's drink anymore. They didn't want to drink dad's bourbon, grandpa's bourbon, you know, there, there was more It in, more interest in, in vodkas and cocktails, um, gin, you know, it was, it was more drinking for a good time. You know, followed by the line of Coke that they're going to do off the bathroom counter. Right. <laughs> you know, at the <laughs> dance club. Right. And and it was just a focus on on what was being consumed. I mean, it, it the bourbon industry got hit so hard, they tried to create a spirit that was mixable that that light whiskey, right? And and it never really took off. Um, and it it just took a generation to pass by for people to get back into what is that that handcrafted thing or you know what? My grandma was really cool. She dug wild turkey. Right. What's that about? You know, or, or you know, and it's it's you, you needed that generation to go by for the grandkids to understand, oh, wait a second. That that's kinda cool, right? It's it's kinda like people who are interested in antiques or interested in you know action figures from you know the original star wars series or what there's there's a nostalgia there's this connection to a yesteryear to it right right that i think helped bring it back
2: right yeah so so the thing about amazon also could be or maybe even the total wines um even though they're large stores let's say total wine for example um I don't know how many SKUs they have. Let's say 30,000 SKUs. Sure. You know. (laughs) Seems like a fair number. (laughs) Okay. But still, there are enough SKUs that we have in our shop. They would not find a spot on their shelves because the number of consumers they're looking for those products are too few for Total Wine to put them on the shelves.
0: Exactly. And then, you know, add to that, While Amazon would be the one company who could figure out how to sell single casks, Mm -hmm. in America alone they have, you know, 200 million-ish account holders, whatever the number is. Right. How many bottles did you get from your first Four Roses
2: single barrel? Right. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like 220, like, 180, something exactly. like
0: that. Exactly. So so these things can only go so far so there so there's <clears throat> you know there is a bit of a, a protective element in that. But you know, I, I would argue too. I think there's something to be said for independent shops working together to kind of fight the big box or fight the big boys coming after them, and, and you know, I think back to st- to one of the earliest things that you and I worked on, along with five other shops here in Massachusetts, and that was that Kill Home and Single Cask. Yeah, legendary, right? Legendary Single Cask, the Sherry Cask. How how unusual is it that you know six major independent stores in a single state who are essentially competitors mm-hmm. got together and said, you know what? Let's do this. That is a really cool thing to join join forces on to say, you know it, it, there's something to be said for independent shops supporting an independent
2: distillery. That's correct. And I, I think it's also very important to have that competition. Uh, it's very important to have um, our friends in uh, Western mass. Uh, yeah, four seasons, Sean Berry. Yeah. Um you know, Julio's Ryan Maloney does a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. He has made whiskey cool here for many, many, many years. He He's done a great job. Yep. You know, Kenny Gordon does a fantastic job at mm-hmm. Gordon's. Uh, so I think it's very important for those shops to exist and that allows many of the great whiskies, independent bottlings and otherwise, to yep. come to Massachusetts. Yeah. Because of these shops. Yep. If only one of them was there it may not be an attractive destination, but now there are multiple stores, uh, multiple owners really passionate about many of these brands and this allows Massachusetts to become a rich area for somebody who loves whiskey. We may not all, all have similar interests, but overall it becomes an interesting place. So that competition I think is very important and a lot of these folks, Ryan, uh, Kenny Sean are doing fantastic job, mm-hmm. and I think it's important for Massachusetts to have that.
0: Yeah, Massachusetts is this is this secret oasis of independent spirits, and like support of in of in, independent brands. Yeah, it's 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 really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> to see that. I really I really enjoy it, and it, and right, and it, and it takes that community. Yeah, that that you're a part of
2: to to help make that happen. All right. So, so I don't know if uh, we if, whether we walked around that question of DTC or it, it definitely impacts us, uh, mm-hmm. especially when um, products come from out of state to Massachusetts very easily. Yeah, uh, out of the country into mm-hmm. Massachusetts very easily. And we're not able to do, uh, do the same, so that that's definitely a negative impact. Mm-hmm. So if that was not there, then obviously um, it's more of an even playing yeah, field. Sure. Even though larger stores have a lot more buying power, so yep. those kind of things are different. Uh, but this is even you know more more of a detriment to us, uh, smaller stores, yeah, to be able to absorb that loss. Sure. I I don't want to end this
0: this conversation on. On this seemingly unsure, what's the future going <laughs> to look like kind of thing, I'm. What are you? What has you excited in the next year, the next two years? Whether it's the expansion of your shop right right now, we're sitting in what's essentially a storeroom slash tasting room, but is prime space to be an expansion of the shop. Whether it's that, or if it's a particular spirit. That, that's, you know, really interesting you that what has you most excited right now looking forward to the future?
2: Yeah, the store uh, needs to open. Yeah. Uh, we need to expand. <laughs> I think we have uh, many, many um, balls of whiskies which never appear on the shelf yep. just because we just don't have the space. We have tried to go as take every inch and yeah. put some great whiskies in there and other spirits. But we have run out of room. So this has to expand, so th- I'm very, very excited about that. Okay. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> and, and for small businesses, it takes more time than less. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's uh, usually a challenge, expansion is a challenge. Uh, so what am I most excited about is uh, the amount of whiskey that is being uh, produced all over the world. Mm. This Lebanese whiskey, the milk and honey from Israel, and also the whiskey scene in India yeah. the various distilleries yes. that are uh, propping up, uh, led by Amrut, obviously, one yep. of my favorite distilleries. Yep. Um, they have done such a phenomenal job worldwide. Then Indri, uh, Surinder Kumar, mm-hmm. again, in connection to Amrut, but is uh, leading the charge at Indri. Um of the production side, fantastic whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Agreed. so many other, yeah. other, other whiskeys are we going to see in the next few years. So th- that is very excited from the whiskey standpoint, but I think, um, the world is also getting ready to embrace, uh, mezcals, mm. which is completely different, not very easy to like, just like petered whiskeys, it takes a certain yeah. level of approach and sophistication and, um, you know, it, it just guts. You know, to be able to drink it the first time. It's
0: not for the lighthearted.
2: It's not for light. You know, it's uh, very difficult. Uh, Some of the mezcals are like that. Yeah, Uh, Clarin from uh, Haiti, Uh, fantastic products. So uh, some of these almost like lost products, they they always existed, but they existed in the periphery. They were not really in the mainstream. They're coming online more and more. And people are more accepting, I think. Of these different flavor profiles, mm. we did a baijiu tasting. And it was very well received, believe it or not. I, I'm sorry, I I heard the words that came out of your mouth.
0: I'm not sure I fully understand. <laughs> you you had a baijiu tasting, and
2: people enjoyed themselves. Some some did, some did. <laughs> okay. They were not as offended as they were four years ago. Listen now, one in three bottles sold in the world is a baijiu. I know it's the most, it's the world's
0: single most popular spirit. Correct. It's wild, but it, it's, I've told you this before and, and, and I don't mean to insult the producers of or the, the, the lovers of Baiju, but the, the two words that come to mind when I think of it is yak sweat.
2: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know what yak sweat is like, I but know, I, know. I think it's like Baiju. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. Um, there's so many different nuances and sometimes it just yeah. takes an approach. You know, yeah, uh, like yeah. uh, for me, it took Dr. Bill Lumsden to kind of show me the way. Yeah. Uh, so you will eventually like Baiju. Yeah. I don't you, doubt You're it. just not there. Yeah, 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 I don't yeah. doubt it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Because, because in the end, I mean, one of the things is, as you're talking about all these spirits, this thought kept coming to mind, which is, it's just new flavors Mm is the exploration of new flavors through different distillates and different material bases to create those distillates. And the reason I got into independent bottlings, much like the reason that you got into them is you found this rabbit hole that had, wow, I haven't tasted that before. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Macallan usually does their stuff in sherry cask. This is in bourbon. That's interesting. You don't get to taste that. right? Right. And, and then Mescal and then Claren and then some of these high ester rums and Pisco. And so, yes, I I agree. Like there are people like you and me and there's more of us than, than we know who will hit a wall and they say, what's, what's new? Mm-hmm. And they just need good people like yourself or the producers or their distributors or whoever to help sort of bring that,
2: you know, let it boil to the top. You know? Right, and you're absolutely right. You need champions, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, for these products. Otherwise, whether it's Lebanese whiskey, yeah, like what we had earlier, milk and honey, for example. Also, um, not a country that produces a lot of whiskey. Israel, they're coming out there, and yeah. it's for uh, you know, they make some really fantastic whiskies. Mm-hmm. Um, in the last three or four four years now, they've been in the U.S. Bit more than that. Uh, oh, that they've
0: been in the U.S. No, so M and H. Officially launched in 2020, like they're, they're single malt whiskey. They've released Spirit beforehand.
2: I see. But official whiskey, uh, 2020. 2020, okay. Yeah. England, they're producing some great single malts Yeah. Now. Very yeah. interesting single malts, yep. different. They're not, in Scotland, they wouldn't be called Scotch, many of them. Yeah. Right. Or they'll be called grain whiskey. Well,
1: they'd they be, be called single, single malt
2: English whiskey.
0: Yeah, or in that, the case of Filey Bay, single malt, Yorkshire whiskey.
2: Yeah, so, so that is fun. Yeah. That's fun because now you're taking um, something which is a single malt hmm. in essence because it's made in single distillery, is 100% malted barley, hmm. but the production method involves a column and a pot
1: or yes. something along those
2: lines. Yep. And then in Scotland, it couldn't be called single malt, or single grain. They would call it grain, yeah. But in England, they're calling it single malt. Much like Pandaren, right?
0: right, who has the Faraday still, which is a combination of a, a pot, a column that sits atop it, and then a, a column to the side of it. That's Those are the European rules and regs. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you couldn't take Pandaren's distillery, plop it in Scotland, or Spirit of Yorker's distillery, plop it in Scotland, and call that product single malt because of the use of that column still. Right.
2: Yeah. But th- that excites me. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's interesting cool. to me. Yeah. And also, somebody who takes the time, for example, I think um, Cavalon uses two different yeast strains.
0: Um, You could be right. I, yeah. I don't know. But I, I think yeah.
2: um, Pandaren also, do they?
0: Pendaren has yes, has played around. I mean, that's a very Dr. Jim Swan thing, Yeah, to play around with different yeast types. I think even Spirit of Yorkshire have played around with... Uh, or, or use a, a champagne yeast mm-hmm. for a certain dryness to right, it, which right. is back to what you were saying before, you know, yeah. 2008, 2009, people were saying yeast strain doesn't matter. right? Barley variety doesn't matter. And now what are we talking about? Different yeast strains, multiple yeast strains, different different malts that Athir is using here yeah. in, in Lebanon. Isn't that a smooth whiskey though? Bikram. Why are you turning red? Bikram. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All these distilleries doing new things, um, new spirits right. taking on popularity, people like yourself being a champion of that, of even Baiju, Bikram. <laughs> yeah. Well, you'll get there. I'm pretty sure. Bikram, thank you so much for joining today. I, I enjoyed the conversation. I loved, I loved hearing your story. And being able to share it, because it's, it's not the first time I've heard it, but I think, heard your story, but I think your story is a great one. On a personal level, what you're doing speaks to everything I give a shit about. <laughs> and it, and it, what you do means a lot to me, so I, I want to thank you. Um, and and for those that are in and around Massachusetts, please come by to check out Pickram's shop, Norfolk Wine and Spirits. And as Bikram said, there's other great shops too, you know, check things out. But if you are a lover of independent bottle, independent bottlings, this really is like, it, it took me 45 years to get to Israel. I got to Norfolk Wine and Spirits before I got to Israel.
2: This, this, this shows you, as a Jew, this shows you how important this is. <laughs> That means a lot, Joshua. Thank you very much. And, you know, thank you for having me here. And also, I must say that you are a true champion also. And I have learned so much over the years uh, from you about independent bottlings and just sharing different ideas.
1: Uh, So cheers. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much, Joshua Hatton, for finally getting Bikram to sit down and talk with us. <laughs> I know how often you see him. I know how mm-hmm. often you say, I'm driving through to Massachusetts. Yep. And I know how often you say, I didn't get as much time with Bikram as I wanted mm-hmm. or I would have liked. You know, we were doing a tasting group and it was amazing. And yeah. his tasting group is fantastic. Yep. And then we we're on to the next thing. So, you know, I, I feel a little bit like when I get to sit down with Bill Thomas ah. and, I, and I feel incredibly privileged to have as much of his time mm-hmm. listening to you spending that time with Bikram. Mm. It's like, wow, that's kind of a big deal. <laughs> like, how many yeah. other people short of maybe his wife does Bikram actually sit down and talk to uninterrupted for an hour? <laughs>
0: he's busy for all that he does, but he's, he's no stranger to working the register when he needs to, too, you know, it's like,
1: Oh, for sure. It's his, it's his
0: shop and he's got a small team that, you know, that they're, they're great, but he's a busy dude. And, and I told him, you know, once we press record or maybe it was before, I don't know. But anyway, I said, you know, this is a conversation that Jason and I have been wanting to have with you for some time. And yes, he's a busy guy, but, I'm a busy guy and but here we are we we finally had it and and I think with many people I think this is this is the first of of a few conversations that we'll have especially as as DTC if 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 things do start coming to fruition and laws start changing who knows if they do I know there's a lot of lobbying for it and from from many parties you know these are the people at the front lines, right? And, and you know, we want to hear it from those that focus on independent bodlings or esoteric spirits. And we also want to have the people that focus on selling Bud Light and, and Natty
1: Ultra and, or, you know, whatever. <laughs> to, to that point, actually, I, I wanted to revisit something that struck me in the interview, which fits so many of us mm-hmm. who are into single malt scotch single malts independent bottlings is we have come to this as another passion mm. right people have come from comic books people have come yes. from cd collections yeah people have come from the wine world here we're listening to beckrum Talk about having this passion for Belgian beers. Yeah. Right? Yep. And so, and so I don't certainly within our cadre, within our our elk, you and I spend a lot of time speaking to people who are a lot like us, mm-hmm. where they didn't get into this because they thought they would make their fortune on it. Mm -hmm. They got into this because they were evangelists and they wanted to tell the story of it. And they wanted to get other people enthusiastic about it. And I don't want to go too far into the point today. But as we look around our industry, Mm -hmm. I think the corners of our industry that make us most upset are the people who now see how to game this system Hmm. and make a quick buck on it. Yes. And we've talked previously, you know, the price of casks has increased. The availability of casks has decreased. The ability to use a Scottish distillery name is under attack. A Mm -hmm. number of the big producers are saying, no, you you can't use our name on that. This this is a it's a different industry and to hear someone like Bikram who says these are my bottles these are the distilleries I'm passionate about he and I have our shared passion for Lechig which is going through its own um, it's not quite to the papification of Springbank or Ardbeg yet no. but. It's sadly it's on its there. waist. It's getting right. There. So it's Glenn Talker's. I look at Glenn Talker's pricing every day and it just makes me cry. And here's Bakerum, right? Who's Who remains passionate, enthusiastic, focused on the liquid in the bottle yeah. that he can evangelize, that he can tell other people about and get them excited and to that point the tasting group that he heads up that you've poured for Mm -hmm. is an enthusiastic group that you always speak highly of, you are always complimentary and I don't think you have to go too far from Bikram to see why they're so enthusiastic and why they're so passionate, so you know Kudos to Bikram, he is one of my favourite people uh, in this industry and as you said before the interview, it's been seven plus years that we've wanted to get him on here and and finally we got him to sit down long enough and you had a chance to sit down long enough to talk to him. So kudos, kudos all around and and let's see where where this conversation goes in a changing industry.
0: said it better myself. Thank you, sir.
1: That's why I'm here. (laughs) Um, Speaking of... Oh, right. right. Why are you here? (laughs) There's another reason you're here? No, no. Speaking of being passionate about whiskey and whiskey worth talking about, I feel like we're going to skip right past the new segment and go into a little blind tasting. Oh, man. You... I, I love it when, when great
0: minds think alike. I mean, granted mine's the great one, so it's, it's nice that you know other minds think alike as well. because uh, I'll tell you, who was I on the phone? I, I was on a call earlier with, uh, with our mutual friend Chris Udy, and he had yes. said he had said, "Mr. Udi, Mr. Udi, And he had said, "I've, I've stopped drinking whiskey." And I paused for a second there, and I just let that hang in the air a little bit. He says, "Let me rephrase that i'm just, i'm just I'm just taking a little break, right? Now. I just need to take a little break Ooh. from it right now." and right. uh and as you know i m- I mentioned this before you you went off on on your trip. you know, Haida and I have been on this this sort of food cleanse thing. And, and part of it is just limiting the amount of alcohol that, that I'm imbibing. And, and I've just been limiting my whiskey to samples here and there, or if a party's happening, you know, I'm not going to like, I want to treat myself, but anyway, I just don't touch a lot of it. And I've been really <laughs> waiting to get into these two <laughs> Macbeth, uh, bottlings. So, so, yes.
1: We are pouring samples three and four. That's a production note for Joshua Got to it. make sure he and I are on yep. the same page. S-
0: sample 34, is that it?
1: <laughs> if you have poured these together, <laughs> we are going to have an uphill time. I've made
0: sample seven. I poured these together <laughs> made sample seven. Uh, yes, I have poured
1: samples three and four
0: in two separate glasses.
1: Good, 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 good. So a couple of episodes ago, you and I poured samples one and two. Mm -hmm. We have eight blind samples sent to us by Elixir Distillers. They have collaborated with Livingston and Dave Broom and Sir Quentin Blake. We discussed Sir Quentin Blake a couple of episodes ago. Mm -hmm. And they have put out a series of bottlings attempting to capture... The the characteristics The personalities The wherewithal Of those characters Who appear within The famous Scottish play Macbeth Authored by I call him Bill You might call him William um, But authored by Bill Shakespeare
0: Ah uh, Billy yeah, yeah yeah yeah
1: Right and what a chap he is So so couple of episodes ago, you and I spent some time with the first couple of samples. We talked through the process a lot there. We talked about this bottling as well. And we identified correctly the first two characters uh, as they were in our blind samples. That was amazing. So we, <laughs> I'm not saying amazing yes.
0: for us, but like, yes, in a way, but... I think Dave Bloom <laughs> did such a good job with his descriptions that helped us right. get there, right?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, we we absolutely went in depth through the descriptors and, and really by a process of elimination, identified Satan, S-E-Y-T-O-N, who is an Ardmore 12-year-old. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was the it's certainly the easiest of those two, and I, I will stand by it maybe is the easiest of the first, uh, well, of all of all eight uh, being being offered here. There are nine and I talk about eight. Uh, nine is King Duncan, and he is £10,000 a bottle, and we do not have a sample of him. <laughs> so uh, he, he's a 56-year-old Glenn Grant. So, so I will talk about eight samples, even though there are nine, nine. offerings yeah. uh, in this first go-around. Um, the first which was an Ardbeg 19-year-old oh. that was un-fucking-believable. Absolutely remarkable and liquid. Yep, yep. And it, it, it's, a, it's a small batch of Ardbeg. It is 550 pounds a bottle. There is no getting away from it. It is expensive. If we were just simply going to taste it in a vacuum and say, is it good? Yes, it's exceptional. Yep. Did it fit the character of First Witch? We thought absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, really, really wonderful. So we are going to jump into samples three and four and see if we can continue this streak, which I don't know, Joshua. I don't know at all.
0: You got to you got to have a better eye. Right? You have to have a positive mental outlook. So whiskey number 1 is is seems kind of malt forward. Oh.
1: And so when you say 1, you mean 3? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm sorry. So so yeah, so for you, <laughs> for the listeners, we are tasting samples 3 and 4. I'll try to stick with that nomenclature, but just know that three may equal one and two may equal four. Or four may equal two. You know what I mean. Fucking hell. I haven't even had a sip yet, Jason. and I'm just tossing it. Might be numbers easier about. just to
1: say three and four. <laughs> <To> <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do that.
0: yeah, so so with with whiskey number three here. It's 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 very malt forward. And there's a... There's a, a, a waxy, citrusy... A waxy quality and citrusy tone to the nose. Uh-huh. It's... The alcohol is present. There's no there's no doubt about it. It's, it's not hiding, but it's also not, like, stabbing me. Like, it's saying, you, sir, are are smelling a cast-strength whiskey, which I like.
1: I... I want to revisit the fact that I think we're in big trouble. Because because I think this is absolutely delightful on the nose and has a very pleasing brightness. Mm. But as I read over the character descriptions, those opening sentences that we use to such great effect the first Mm -hmm. time out... I think we're going to be spinning our wheels a few times here. So let me let me give you some opening sentences so you can start thinking characters uh, and some whiskeys. Can, can, I, can I add just one last thought? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: As I nose this, there's an element to it that makes me think of an older whiskey in the same way when we've had, and this is me throwing a little foie, foie, foie around, you know, when we've had our... Our '50s Glen Farkless or some of our, you know, really old, well-aged Glen Grants here and there. There's that. There's an oakiness that verges on eucalyptus or mint. That mm. has this this elegant, soft, silky quality to it, and and I get a sense of that. That this could potentially have a bit of age to it, potentially. <laughs> Potentially.
1: So without, without giving away too much of the game, because mm. you have been a very good boy and you have not done additional research. No. Uh, at no. my request, just mm. to be clear on that one, <laughs> of these eight samples of which we have tasted two, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. leaves us six samples.
0: That's my math. Yeah.
1: Four of the six samples are 31 years old. So there you go. All right. So, okay. I, that That
0: is, wow, four of them are 31 years old. Okay, so.
1: Remember, remember when I said we were in a little bit of trouble and you said, come on, buck up that mental attitude. That was the information that I had in my fingertips. So I was like, <laughs> oh, now it's going to get tough. So here, listen, here's the characters, okay. right? Um, and again, the good news is we were reading all eight the last time. We're down to six this time. Oh, okay. So we have got Lady Macduff. Um, Opening sentence A gentleness of manner and vulnerability Is what you find on first acquaintance Mm. Here comes menteith Maturity brings forth a relaxed air Here's Angus Quietness can be an asset (laughs) Here's first ghost Dismissed too easily the eyes move away, daring to doubt the spirit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, and the ghost ones, those are the whiskeys from Shuttered distilleries.
1: Correct, yeah, okay. correct, yeah. correct. And then closing out with Bloody Sergeant, The rough hemp of the tunic stiffened with clotted blood. The wearied walk through the thickened glower of autumn woods. That's not not that's not sample number three. And we have yeah. found our first character to eliminate.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's sample number three, and, and I've nosed sample number four. And I would, I I, would, minus that. What was the last bit on the bloody sergeant?
1: Do, 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 do. Glower of autumn woods. So,
0: on sample number four. I get a hint of that 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 autumnal hint to it, but everything prior, which is like blood soaked, blah blah, whatever. No. So I and don't listen, mean to say to that this. to Dave Broom's notes, but you know it doesn't fit.
1: So here's so here's the rest of the sentence. Okay. Surviving on a diet of acorns and stewed tea. Yeah, right. nah, that's we, not going to be it. No. I I think for for this round with samples three and four, yeah. we can rule out the bloody sergeant. You're only meant to rule out the bloody sergeant. Right, so oh, we also have the first murderer. I I overlooked the first right. murderer. Okay, uh, pallid with a reek of wood smoke and tallow candles. Okay. S- hmm. What's what's
0: pallid? pallid. What's pallid mean? lit Is it like a paladin? It's like a like a. 12th level paladin with like a 17 charisma. You may have a vorpal sword and just like plate armor.
1: I I had a better job knowing what pallid meant before you started talking about whatever you just talked about. Uh pallid is pale, kind of washed out. Uh, okay. Alright. Yeah, that, that makes good sense. Oh, okay. So read but that I, again then. Pallid. With a reek of wood smoke and tallow candles, salt sweat on the brow, lean shanked yet muscular, downtrodden, dismissed and angry, uh, a, des- <laughs> a denizen of the darkest taverns. Yeah. For a few coins, as night falls, a throat will feel its bite. A child will die. Money runs thicker than blood. Ah, uh, I think I'd rule. I think I'd rule that out for both of these.
0: there's an elegance to both of them, you know, you know, like when we have a dirty whiskey, we're like, Oh, that's filthy. Right. And and I think like first murderer, the bloody sergeant, like I'm not getting any, any really good bad guy (laughs) feel to this. You know what I mean? There, there's, there's an austere quality. There's a gentle quality to both of them. Uh, now, I haven't sipped any of this. It looks like you've had a couple sips here and there.
1: I have. Yeah. I have, I have. I am, I am presently torn. So here's, here's the rest of Lady Macduff for you. A gentleness of manner and vulnerability is what you find on first acquaintance. At home among spring orchards and drifts of honeysuckle, the troubled world seemingly unknown. But there Mm. are deeper layers to test you, a firmness of resolve, a steel at the heart. The tongue may seem sweet, but can also be cutting. Do not be deceived. Mm. Those are great. Those are great whiskey notes. Those are great Lady Macduff notes. That is beautifully, beautifully said. Well
0: sample number 3 has a remarkable remarkable palette like mm-hmm. it is it it over <laughs>
1: does it overload you It's no no not not me if you if the me was me no No if I the get, me it, is one I don't have an answer It's it's
0: not over. So, so here's what's happening, right? On the nose, remember, like for me it was that it was that soft, gentle oak. It was that citrusy quality. There was an impression that this liquid spent longer in the cast, I'm assuming, 31 years old based on the numbers that you gave me earlier. But then when I taste this, the, the whiskey takes a complete left turn, not a complete left turn. It takes a left turn. But it's like one of those things, like you've taken a left turn and all of a sudden you are in Times Square. Like all the lights are on, everything's flashing. Like the hints of fruit on the nose, sorry, the hints of fruit on the nose went on to full bouquet of fruits on the
1: palate. I would be, I'd be okay with you saying that. the The thing that I keep returning to is that each of these samples has significant heft mm. There's, mm. there's a weightiness to mm. the nose Despite being bright mm. Despite being fruity Right? Listen, listen to this So that, that was Lady Macduff that I gave you Here comes menteeth L- Listen here Maturity brings forth a relaxed air This is now a life of airmen The satisfaction of sweet meats and spices, fruits and flowers. Yet for all the damask rose and sandalwood, at the core lurks a hint of smoke. Comfort pushed aside and darkness embraced. The muscles flex anew. Power grows. It will act. That's not number three,
0: is it? That is not number three. Can you oh wow number four is doing something to my palate that I've experienced in a more dramatic way previously and you have too it's this build of spice on the finish that reminds me a bit of Tor Mordor right that that classic was it 1984 bottling Mm -hmm, by mm -hmm. Whiskey Broker um Wow.
1: Yeah, four, four, and three are are distinct on the palate. I I think you again when you you said that a moment ago, the fruit and the floral from the nose on sample mm-hmm. three really come into their own on the palate. Mm-hmm. Number four really goes into this spice root. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to say sandalwood because I just read sandalwood by Dave Broom, but. There's there's a spice and wood happening on four, mm. so let's let's see. So I I think I think right now, just given that it's at the top of the sheet and we read it for Lady Macduff, I think Lady Macduff is in the driver's seat for sample number three. Agreed, agreed. Yep. But we still need to visit Angus, and we maybe have to visit first Ghost. So Angus, the notes say, quietness can be an asset. Those who stand in the shadows are the silent witnesses, messengers ready to do their bidding. Much has been seen, and any sweetness which has been gathered in will be balanced by the darker acts of war plotted under paraffin light. There is spice in the tales told. Oh,
0: gosh, see... How's he spelling tales? <laughs>
1: <laughs> tales as in a story. Yeah. T A L E S. Uh, so yes.
0: that's interesting. So, but I think, but I think he, Dave, maybe being smart in, in, in where he's placing the word tales to make you think of the tail end of that that whiskey drinking experience, which is sort of the. Sort of what I'm getting with four, like the whole thing builds to a to a wonderful crescendo from nose to palate to finish to the tail, and on a number four. So I'm thinking man teeth,
1: but this is in the running.
0: This is in the <laughs> running.
1: So, so just to confuse ourselves further, here comes first ghost. Okay. Dismissed too easily, the eyes move away, daring to doubt the spirit. Gold glitters on the helm, the voice soft but persistent, the execution firm. Resist disbelief for sweet reward, or regret will haunt you.
0: Mm. Well... I mean all of those words make me think he's describing a beguiling spirit which I would say number 4 is a beguiling spirit it's kind of kind of reminds me not directly but the way that Highland Park talked about their Loki release where it was you know is it doing this is it doing that you know it's Loki's <laughs> the trickster kind of thing and while I didn't particularly love that that whiskey after Thor yeah. came out, um, I can I can see I can draw similarities between how Highland Park described Loki and how Dave Broom is describing what was the character again? First ghost, first ghost, and how this sample number four, how that ride has been. It's 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 a bit all, all over the place, but in a good way.
1: What do you think about? First ghost descriptor for sample number three.
0: So, give it to me one last time. One last
1: time. Dismissed too easily. The eyes move away, daring to doubt the spirit. Gold glitters on the helm. The voice soft but persistent. The execution firm. Resist disbelief for sweet reward or regret will haunt you. Yeah...
0: Yeah, that's there's a problem with the like. It could go to a, a bunch of things, I guess. Yeah that that one's that one's tough. That that's a curveball. That right? It's a it's a curveball because what are they doing? There, each each expression is is meant to create this wonderfully complex experience, and those descriptors. Tell that story, so that that's going to be a tougher one. I'm still yeah, I'm still I'm, on Lady Lady Macduff for, for number three. I,
1: I I want to commit to that. I I think it fits the best. Are, who else are we missing? Um, anybody else? No. So we've we've got the two we selected in the prior episodes: Satan and First Switch. Mm-hmm. We've essentially ruled out the bloody sergeant and the first murderer, mm-hmm. so that's brought us down to four. And of those four, we've looked at Menteith, Angus, Lady Macduff, and First Ghost. And I, I just can't help but think number three is Lady Macduff. Yeah. Just to read that, yeah. read that paragraph yeah, again one last time, please. as as we taste, a gentleness of manner and vulnerability is what you find on first acquaintance, at home among spring orchards and drifts of honeysuckle, the troubled world seemingly unknown. But there are deeper layers to test you, a firmness of resolve, a steel at the heart. The tongue may seem sweet but can also be cutting. Do not be deceived."
0: So I'm going to say two things. A, I really do think that this is Lady Macduff. B, this fits my palate so well <laughs> that I'm, I'm not blowing smoke. This is currently in the running for Whiskey of the Year for me. Like I just, it's ticking the boxes. I'm
1: loving this.
0: I, re- I really am.
1: That's so interesting. I I don't know if Anthony's going to top the bag nineteen-year-old first switch for
0: me. No, yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> but but right, like we've talked about it before. What's my favorite SCN bottling is a is a fruity, spicy Daluyan, right? No peat, right? I, so anyway,
1: yeah, I I tell you, as as I finished up those notes and and felt quite convinced by our selection, I took a a, a longer taste of it mm. and filled my mouth with more liquid than I had previously, and got it quite spicy through the mid palate and through the clothes. Um, which could be a steel at the heart, right? That might also be the tongue may seem sweet, but also can be cutting, right? But it also still has me looking at men teeth, which as maturity brings forth a relaxed air. This is now a life of ermine, the satisfaction of sweet meats and spice. Yeah. See, that's. I it, yeah, I don't find that as much up front, right? No.
0: There's no sweet meats. There's no sweet meats yeah. in, in three. And, and yeah. four has has that heft. I, I want to say that there's a bit of sherry cast maturation in here. Or, or, For
1: sure, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a little bit darker in color. Um, yeah, a little deeper deeper colour to it and and there's Um, a
0: meatiness to it
1: well and and Menteeth continues yet for all the damask rose and sandalwood at the core lurks a hint of smoke and number three has no smoke anywhere near all. anywhere near alright so let's, let's commit to Lady Macduff for number three now let's see what that leaves us for sample number four okay which, which would give us Menteith, first ghost or Angus.
0: So we've read Menteith a few times now. can you just remind us what first ghost is? And then so Angus.
1: first ghost is the one that I keep reading like poetry here <laughs> uh, dismissed oh. too easily the eyes move away daring to doubt the spirit blah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, nope, nope, not, nope. Number nope, not, not number four not number four. four. Nope. So that gives us Menteith and Angus so Angus. Quietness can be an asset, which the noise isn't quiet quiet at all. So nothing about those who stand, right? Those who stand in the shadows are the silent witnesses, messengers ready to do their bidding. Much has been seen, and any sweetness which has been gathered in will be balanced by the darker acts of war, plotted under paraffin light. There is spice in the tales told. <sighs> can four be anyone other than Menteith? I don't think
0: four can be anyone other than Menteith. Wait, why did we
1: say no to the Bloody Sergeant again? Uh, because bu- 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 it was... Let me go back down here. Bloody Sergeant, the rough hemp of the tunic stiffened with clotted blood... The wearied walk through the thickened glower of autumn woods, surviving on a diet of acorns and stewed tea. A solid and trustworthy messenger, a worker, a warrior. Not for him, the palace. His is a life willingly given to service. Nah, that's not it. That's not it at all. I just, I don't yeah. think so. But let's, let's double check. Let's make sure we're not... Maturity brings forth a relaxed air. This is now a life of ermine, the satisfaction of sweetmeats and spices, fruits and flowers. Yet for all the damask rose and sandalwood, at the core lurks a hint of smoke. Comfort pushed aside and darkness embraced. The muscles flex anew. Power grows, it will act.
0: This uh, sample number four has a floral component that comes out on the finish. Which which really And after
1: that experience, yeah. if you go to the nose, you can find it in a corner of the nose as well. Yeah,
0: I think we're looking at Lady Macduff and and Menteeth for three and and respectively four.
1: All right. Oh, Jason, this is it. Do you
0: oh, I'm so excited and nervous at the same time.
1: I think that's a good way to be. Number three.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't like the look on your face. The look on your face tells me we failed.
1: Number three is Lady Macduff. Hey! (laughs) 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 All right. Any any guesses on a distillery? You know it is 31 years old, but any guesses on a distillery at that age?
0: The fruity component seems like a Moorish version, not a Moorish, but a Moorish version of, of a Glen Talker's to me.
1: Ah, uh, you're right. Yeah. Right in the wheelhouse. Right. No, not right, but absolutely right in the wheelhouse. When I tell you what it is, you'll go, Ah, oh, I was right in the wheelhouse. Mm. It's a thirty-one-year-old Linkwood,
0: right in the wheelhouse. There you go, (laughs) man. Oh man, the Shevitz—that's a great whiskey.
1: Yep, it's forty-eight point two percent alcohol. It is bum 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 Mm. one of six hundred and fifty bottles. Okay, and it is seven hundred and fifty pounds a bottle. Wow. Oh, I'll tell you,
0: you know, I think that pricing nowadays, that is a fair price.
1: Right, right. Here, here's a bit more information from the website. Mm-hmm. Casting this role in Livingston's Macbeth series required whiskey maker elixir distillers to find a single malt of rare elegance and beauty. This vatting of four ex-bourbon mm. barrels from Linkwood Distillery proves the perfect embodiment of the ill-fated Lady Macduff. The nose shows all the flowers, citrus, and white fruit characteristic of Linkwood, while the palate harbours hidden depths suggestive of its inspiration, strength, and resolve. An exceptionally fine Speyside malt.
0: (sighs) Remarkable. Yep, just, (laughs) just really... It's a little cracker. Really wonderful whiskey. So we're looking at, uh, it's 31 years old, so that's 1992, mm-hmm. or is it
1: 91? Uh, to my knowledge, they haven't revealed okay. a year. Okay, that's all right. uh, uh Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah wonderful. I, that really is in the running for my, my whiskey of the year. I, I just, I love it.
1: So what gave me pause, Joshua, hmm. is we... Are three
0: for three. Ah, there you go. We're not four for four, we're three for three. Okay.
1: We are three for four.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three for four. Wait. Oh, shit. Okay. (laughs)
1: God damn it. (laughs) See, that's the face I was making. So, number, sample number four is Angus. Read Angus again, then. Quietness can be an asset. Those who stand in the shadows are the silent witnesses, messengers ready to do their bidding. Much has been seen, and any sweetness which has been gathered in will be balanced by the darker acts of war plotted under paraffin light. There is spice in the tales told. But, god damn it, didn't I say,
0: is he giving a hint? with the use of spice and the word tail as in that being the finish and I had said the spice on the finish reminded me of Tor Mordor where it just increases, increases, increases shit
1: alright I'd still <laughs> I'm, now I'm really curious, I'm saving the remains of that bottle because I'm curious to put that next to Teeth when the time comes mm. So, so Angus, so now that you know that yeah. That number four is Angus. Yeah, do I get to guess? As we've as we've said all along, it is 31 years old. Do you have a distillery in mind with sample number four?
0: The only distillery that's ever had a growing spice in the way that this one does for me has been Tormor. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm going to I'm going to take a total shot in the dark and and say that it's Tormor Distillery.
1: This vatting of four first fill bourbon barrels well. <laughs> is a fantastic example of rich, weighty 1990s blank. More than three decades in American oak has created a concentrated and full-bodied dram with satisfying notes of panettone, candied peel, and banana. It is 54.6% alcohol, £750 a bottle, and comes from... The Glengarry Distillery. Oh, that's interesting.
0: What year was... uh, Okay, so it was 31 years of age, right? So this will have had peated spirit, but Glengarry, like, there was no rhyme or reason to how peated their barley was or was not peated. But there's a note that I've gotten in most Repeated Gearys that I'm not getting here, and it's that fresh jalapeno note. Not the spice from it, but the
1: vegetal sweetness. That's interesting. Take just like sample number three, take a bigger swig of number four. Okay. And let it coat your palate and, and go through the finish. Cause, Cause that spice that we keep talking about. Re you know, reappears or, or continues to appear on those larger swigs of this. Yeah, but then there's
0: certain elements that I'm like that I say, Oh yeah, that, that is Glen Geary,
1: right? And now <laughs> it's the power of the blind tasting, right. isn't it? Amazing. Yeah. Mm. Angus on that one. Huh. I did not I did not see that coming.
0: Yeah, it's, it's it's a great whiskey. It, it's it, For me, it's not one of those ones that you just sit down and relax with, but it's one of those ones that you say, it's a bit of a special occasion, and this is just something you have to try because it's going to take you on a bit of a ride. Um, I was expecting some refill sherry in there, weren't
1: you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. 31 years of first fill bourbon? Hmm. Mm. Man, this is fun. So which do you prefer, 31-year-old Linkwood Lady Macduff or 31-year-old Glen Geary Angus?
0: I'm going to say it for a third time now, Jason. Sample number three, the 31-year-old Linkwood is currently leading the way In my 2023 whiskey of the year.
1: And you're putting it over First Witch, 19 year old, Ardbeck. Well, I'd need to revisit it, but. But. But but I. Elixir has our address for sending full bottles, right? I sure hope so, man. Uh, Yeah, no, listen.
0: so here, here, here is what I'll tell you. Here is what I will say. That Ardbeg was remarkable. I hate point systems. You know I hate point systems. But if I were to throw a 98 at it, it would be deserving of that 98. There's no doubt about it. When I think about the whiskeys that I reach for the most, it's those whiskeys that are Spirit driven and fruity. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that this Linkwood ticks both the boxes of being spirit driven and incredibly fruity. And uh, oh, here's the other thing I'll say, third thing that I'll say that ard bag may have been the best ard bag I've had since roller coaster. Oh, for sure. Yeah, right? For sure. So, and that's a 2008 bottle. Not to say bad things about Ardbeg, but for my palate, 14 years ago, 15 years ago, I had roller coaster, and now I had this. So, there
1: you go. All right. Here endeth the blind tasting with us being one of two today. Two of two, first time, one of two, this time, tune in next time to see if we can get... Back on stride, or if this is the beginning of the end. I will say this, Joshua. Yeah. I came in, I came in a little nervous, Nelly, a little bit, not so sure here. I love that Lady Macduff was a home run. Like, that was a place where we didn't think there was room yeah, for that. Yeah,
0: there, there was, we felt com- very comfortable, yep.
1: Right. I'm a, I'm a little disappointed that our confidence in Menteith. Turned into bloody Angus.
0: But but. what I would say there, Jason, is I think that's a peek behind the Dave Broom curtain. I really believe that the word "tales," as in a tale to be told, yet using that word toward the end of the descriptor was a hint at the finish being spicy, because it said tales of spice and so on and so forth. So... I think we need to pay a bit more attention to some of the hints that, that Dave is is dropping.
1: He's normally well, drops mics,
0: but in this case, he's dropping hints. <laughs> yeah.
1: And the next time he picks up a One Nation Under Whiskey mic, we can ask him whether he meant all the hints that you're picking up on, <laughs> or whether this is you playing the record backwards. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which I have a new record player, by the way, so... Hey! Did I tell you that? You were gone for Father's Day, weren't you? Oh, no, no, gone, right. you no, were, no. You were doing fatherly duties. Uh,
1: oh, I saw you. You and I were together on Father's Day.
0: Yes, we were. <laughs> that
1: yes, was we the were. closing Sunday of Zev's Bar Mitzvah weekend.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, for Father's Day, Hayden, the Girls got me a new turntable and an amp, and now we have... A record player in our living room, and Haida and I have just started hanging out in our living room, listening to records. There awesome! You go. Awesome. Sm-
1: smoking bongs and eating brownies.
0: Doing bong rips. <laughs> fucking eating. Fucking dum dums or king kongs or ding dongs.
1: Takis are the way to go. Takis are the way to Tackies.
0: go. So, oh, so listen. Gosh. So. You know, we don't have any emails today, and we didn't have any news today, but we did have emails come in, and we'll get to them at another point, but if you would like to send us an email, which which we will get to, I, I promise, this was just a slightly longer episode because we had a bit of a catch-up, I, I urge you to write in, questions at One Nation Under Whiskey, Whiskey spelled uh, without, out an E, of course, and ended in .com, of course. Uh, or you can reach us at info at singlecastnation.com. And uh, we, we'd love to hear from you. The other thing that I'd like to say is as we were closing this out, I was checking my, um, I was checking Apple PadCost's app to see if we'd got mm-hmm. any more stars or got any more reviews, like written reviews. And while we have another star, we don't have another written review. So go ahead, you Whoa. know, give us some stars. Five is preferable. Leave a review and we will announce it. We will read it here on Wax.
1: On, on Wax. Yeah, I appreciate that additional star coming in. You said we've got an additional star, like someone gave us a one-star review, or we've got an additional just another star review. review. That,
0: that another review that was just stars. I think that it may have been a star-bellied snitch. Who do, who left Ooh. the review? I could be right.
1: wrong. Gosh, we'll have to do further research. Oh, wait a second. We don't do further research. <laughs> we will never know. We will never <laughs> ever know. ever. But this has been a blast, man. I I missed I missed the last episode. Like I say, I'm I'm glad I was I was the interview in it at least. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be back today. Tasting two more samples in the books. Um, yeah, look maybe. Maybe let's endeavor to get Jess into the next round of of sample tasting here and and lay her Macbeth knowledge on the line as well. That's a good point. And to be honest,
0: we've been wanting to get Jess and Swede Scott on for the podcast for a very special conversation. So maybe maybe you'll you'll hear the four of us
1: uh, oh, yeah.
0: before too long.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, I love I love that idea. Yeah. Production meeting, live <laughs> at the end of today's episode.
0: <laughs> All right, Jason. Yes, I ra- Joshua. I raise my glass to, to you. I raise my glass to the listeners, to Bikram Singh for being the, the wonderful human that he is, the wonderful Bikram. guest that he is, uh, and, and our friends at Elixir Distillers for sending us these, these samples. I mean, y- you nailed it. These are 750-pound bottles. Uh, they really don't have to send samples out to anyone, but they did to us. And uh, and we we were welcome to talk shit about them if we wanted to, but here we are, four in, four great whiskeys. So can't go wrong.
1: Yeah. Hard to argue when you've got a 12-year-old Ardmore, a 19-year-old Ardbeg, a 31-year-old Linquid, and a 31-year-old GlenGarry. Aye, sir. I'm a happy Pad this day. Ditto. <laughs> Cheers, Joshua. Cheers, all.
0: Welcome back to America. <laughs>
1: Cheers. Cheers, Joshua. Thank you. I never left. <laughs> <laughs>